This morning, if you will, the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number 4, Philippians chapter number 4, I believe verse number 10 this morning, Philippians 4, and I believe it's verse number 10. When I get there, I'll let you know for sure. Uh, <clears throat> I appreciate the Lord, appreciate the, the goodness of the Lord this morning. He knows what we need. And uh, one thing about it, if you get in a rush, you might miss what the Lord's wanting to do. And so we always try to take our time around here and just let the Lord do what He's wanting to do. Uh, it takes a little while sometimes to get things warmed up, get things right in our own hearts. And uh, you never know and don't take for granted what others have gone through on their way just to get here this morning, what they've heard and what they've faced and what they've experienced uh, this week in getting to church. And sometimes the best thing you can do is just saturate and soak in the presence of the Lord. And it's amazing how all of that hard exterior begins to dissipate and uh, begins to fall off them scales and them hard uh, places. And so I appreciate the Lord working in our hearts this morning. All right, Philippians chapter number 4 this morning. Let's stand for a moment, Philippians chapter number 4. And verse number 10, uh, Philippians 4, verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want. I want you to notice this next statement. For I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I'll read it to you again. For I have learned, I want to emphasize that I have learned, that whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. And he illustrates that in verse number 12. He explains that. He gives us an example. I know both how to be abased, brought low, humbled. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. A lot of folks know how to be abased and don't know how to abound. A lot of folks know how to abound and don't know how to be abased. Paul said, I know both. I've learned. I didn't come into this world knowing this. But I, over life, over time, uh, with God, he's taught me. I've learned. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13 Familiar portion of scripture, familiar verse. Uh, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And I, I, I don't have any problem, not that what, what, what that would matter to most people, but I don't have any problem with someone just taking that verse and claiming that verse and saying, I can do, but, but really when we look at that verse in its context, Paul is saying, I can abound and I can be abased. In Christ, I can I can excel and I can suffer, and all in between because I know Christ. And it might not mean that God's gonna make you a millionaire because you've set your mind out to. It might not mean that God's gonna make you a pro football player because you've set your mind out to. God can help you in your suffering, and God can help you in your abundance. In all those areas, I can do all things through Christ 
which strengtheneth me. That's all we'll read this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we, we come once again before you and we ask you to touch the preaching of the word of God. Please, I pray, Lord, that the hand of the Lord would rest upon me. Lord, use me, use the preaching. I know you'll use the word of God. Lord, use it for your glory. Speak to our hearts. Challenge us and change us. Encourage us and strengthen us. In Christ's name, amen. You can be seated this morning. I, I want to uh, go back and look at verse number 11 again. I'll read it to you again. And uh, not that I speak, he says, in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I, I want to preach this morning with the Lord's help on the, uh, on the subject of the Christian's contentment. Uh, the Christian's contentment. Uh, I, I don't think that I have to define content to you, but uh, I, I don't mind doing it if it'll help us get a better understanding of what I mean when what the Holy Ghost means, what the Word of God means when we see the word content. Uh, it is uh, the ability, uh, it is the understanding, it is the mindset of not being disturbed uh, having a mind at peace, uh, a mind that is not objecting or opposing to the circumstances in your life. That, that, is, uh, that is contentment. What comes my way, I'm not going to oppose it. What comes my way, I'm not going to object it, but my mind, my heart is stayed on the Lord and I am content. That God is working in my life and what is going on in my life has come from Him, it is by Him and so I'll trust Him and I'm not going to fight what He's doing. Uh, I, I, I will say this to you this morning, uh, uh, this is in a spiritual realm that Paul is talking. Uh, I think it's not uh, uh, only... Uh, not real contentment, but I would argue that it's criminal for an individual uh, to suffer poverty because he's too lazy to do anything about it. I don't think that's what Paul had in mind. I don't think that's what God has in mind when he says that you ought to be content. You ought not to be content to watch your children uh, uh, suffer because you're too lazy to go get a job. Help me right there. If you have the ability to do something about it to improve and enlarge your life, then I don't think that God is interested in you being content, being on the bottom when he's given you health and opportunity to change the situation. This is Christian contentment. This is the individual who is serving God doing that which is the best of their ability, pleasing unto God, and the circumstances of life are not what they wanted them to be. It is not what they asked for. It is not what they desired. And Paul said, in these moments of lack, in these moments of shipwreck, in these moments of suffering, one thing I have learned, I'm not going to fight God, I'm not going to oppose God, I'm not going to oppose the situation if I recognize the sovereign hand of God working in this area, I have learned to be content. Now, I will give you uh, a, a, a little 
Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'll give you a little insight into your preaching. Uh, I have not learned this as well as I ought to have. Uh, I am not uh, as authoritative as I believe that the Apostle Paul was at this point in his life. There are times, you're not going to believe this? Uh, Well, you might. There are times when I get discontented. There are times when I become opposed to, and I wouldn't tell you that except my wife and children are in here and they know it's the truth and so I ain't no point in me lying to you because they'll know I'm lying. Uh, there are times when opposition in my life, when trouble in my life, when worries in my life, when circumstances in my life, I just get all bent out of shape and opposed to them and find myself discontented. Am I talking to anybody this morning? And yet Paul says when these things come, and he's writing to the church at Philippi, and he's saying, boy, I appreciate y'all helping me out. I know there was a time when you couldn't, and in that time that you couldn't help me out, I was really struggling, and it was really low, but I've learned in that to be content. I've learned in that that God is working. I've learned when I'm humbled, and I learned when, I'm a, uh, when I am in abundance, and whatever the realm may be, in whatsoever state I am, there with to be content. And I want to say to you this morning that God is working that in your life. God is interested in making you content. God's more interested in you being content than you are. Oh, y'all talk back to me now. If the truth be told, you're not interested in being content unless you're content in that which is abounding in that which is seemingly a blessing, in that which is working in your life, in your favor, as far as you can tell. And I think all of us would line up and say, praise the Lord, I am content. But it is in those moments where it's not going like you want it to. It is in those moments where health is not what you want it to be. Children are not what you want them to be. Finances are not what you want them to be. And I don't mean to preach just a cliche message this morning, but let's just talk about where we live. And those are the things that we find ourselves so often. Lord, I'm doing the best that I can to serve you. I'm doing the best that I can to honor you. And it seems like it's not working. And then we begin to complain and murmur murmur, and become disgruntled and begin to question the workings of God. And Paul said that was me but I have learned some lessons on contentment in my life I want to give you this morning three truths about contentment I think you need to know and I need to know number one this morning I want to say to you the first truth that I would want to share with you this morning is that there is the education of content the education of of contentment, and I find that in verse number eleven, where Paul says, "For I have learned." Mm. Seems to me, if I'm reading the Bible correctly, that there was a time when Paul was not content. Are y'all hearing me this morning? 
There was a time when these things that came about in Paul's life, and if there's any man outside of Jesus who did his fair share of suffering for the cause of Christ, I would say the Apostle Paul, and you can read about his shipwrecks and his beatings and his, and his, and his uh, hunger and all that he endured for nothing other than the, the, the sake of preaching the gospel. And if, if, if no doubt these things came into his life, uh, like they did and, and they do in your life and my life. Uh, I, I, I know this much about human nature. It was not Paul's nature to be content. And I know that because the Bible says that I have learned to be content. Meaning it didn't come natural to me. Meaning that I did not get this at birth. I did not come into this world content. I did not come into this world with the ability to be content. I, uh, I did not come into this world with the mindset of content in my circumstances, but it has taken circumstances in my life that have had to teach me uh, and I've had to learn uh, that in whatsoever state I am, there with to be content. And I want to say to you this morning, if God had to teach Paul that, don't you reckon he's going to have to teach me and you that? He said, I have learned. He didn't learn it in Bible college. That's a good place to go, but they can't teach you contentment. He didn't learn it sitting at the feet of Gamaliel. He did not learn it uh, in his studies of, of man or the Bible. He did not learn this in Sunday school. He, I'll even go as far as to say Paul didn't learn contentment or he didn't gain contentment when he got saved. I know a lot of folks that get saved and still just as discontent. He didn't learn it by past experiences of God showing up and providing because we have illustrations in the Old Testament of Old Testament Israel. God met their every need and then they would come to another place and, and they, they would have a need again and just like they had done before, they would murmur and complain because that is what comes natural. And it's not just that that we learn in the Old Testament. We learn that in our life. Uh, God, I can complain and gripe about the situation. God can show up and meet and I feel like a fool for complaining and not trusting God and then the next day the same kind of situation arises, and I act the same way I did before as if I've learned absolutely nothing at all. Paul said I have had to learn to be content. I didn't get it at birth and I didn't get it at the new birth. I, I didn't find that it came natural. I'll tell you what comes natural this morning. Discontentment comes natural. You don't have to teach that. Murmuring comes natural. Complaining comes natural. And you hang around folks that are discontented and you'll find out real quick how their face will tell it there. Their body language will tell it there. Their speech will tell of the discontentment. They are always comparing what they have to something else. They are always comparing what others have to what someone else has. Never recognizing what God has placed in their life and what God is doing in there. Can I say to you this morning that God's been mighty good to me. God's been mighty good to you. And may God help us learn to be content in the state of our life. Whatsoever state it is. Well, I wish I had this. I wish I had this. Uh, I, I read behind a man who quoted one of Aesop's fables and he said that 
that four men were given the ability by God to, uh, in one of these fables, were given the ability by God to change their ailments. One man was blind, and he thought, being blind's horrible, but if I could have the ailment of my neighbor, he's lame and can't walk on one leg. I would rather be lame and be able to see than to be blind. And so he decided, if I can pick the ailment of life that I want to suffer with, that's what I want. And so he did away with his blindness and became lame. Another man was stricken by poverty, and he said, uh, uh, he said uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm stricken by poverty, but I would, I would take a, a, a disease that kind of debilitated me if I had the riches for somebody to wait on me. And so he exchanged his poverty-stricken state for that of disease. And there was three or four of these men, and they did that. And, and the old fable went that within an hour, all of them came back and said, give me my old uh, disease back. Give me my... My blindness back. Give me my problem back because what they realized was that there, there was issues with both but at least that they understood what they were going through and it wasn't as bad to them because they were used to it instead of trying to walk in somebody else's shoes. You think this morning that your situation is the worst. You think this morning that your problem that you're facing is unlike anything anybody else has ever faced. But walking in those doors this morning was a whole lot of people that have had to learn and are learning and must learn the value of contentment in your life with the state that God's put you in. It is a result of education. If you're going to be content, you'll have to be educated. You'll have to learn it. And I'm not talking about studying it and reading it in the book. I'm talking about going through situations that would otherwise bring discontentment, that would otherwise bring uh, murmuring and complaining and understand that this is where God has placed me and in this place that God has placed me, as we sang in the choir a moment ago, I can trust Jesus. It doesn't come natural. It must be learned. We, uh, we've, we've got some pasture at our home and some cows. And uh, One thing that I have found out is that weeds need no encouragement. Weeds need no planting. I've never planted one. I've never encouraged them. I've never fertilized them. Uh, I have spent some money trying to kill them and get part of them gone and then they come back and if you don't do it again, they'll just reproduce all over again, multiply more than was there last year. But here's what I have found. Grass don't grow on its own. You can have a yard full of weeds, you can have a pasture full of weeds and it don't cost you anything. But if you want grass, you're going to have to till it. You're going to have to plant it. You're going to have to cultivate it. You're going to have to water it. You're going to have to fertilize it. And you're going to have to keep the weeds killed out because they'll choke out all of the grass. And what I want to tell you is that the weeds of discontentment, the weeds of murmuring, the weeds of complaining are as natural to you and to me as breathing. It comes so natural to be upset about every circumstance in your life that it consumes you with discontentment. 
that your garden, that your pasture, that your yard is nothing more than a big bed of weeds. That, and when you mow, you ain't mowing grass. You are chopping down weeds. And it is weeds of discontentment, weeds of disillusion, weeds of murmuring and complaining and griping and arguing and upset with God. And Paul said, I've had to learn. It didn't come natural, but I've had to cultivate and learn how to be content in the state that God has placed me. Are you hearing me this morning? Education. Uh, resisting discontentment, complaining, murmuring, opposing. All comes natural, but contentment is learned through the situations that would otherwise cause discontentment. <clears throat> Preacher, I, I feel like, and, and, and again, I want to clarify this morning. And I'll use this illustration, but it'll apply across the board. Uh, if, if you want to not work, don't call that spiritual because you're content with being poor. That's not contentment. Again, that's criminal. Uh, if you want to be an adulterer, don't be content when your family falls apart. That's not contentment, that's sin. We're talking about those areas where you're trying to serve God. Paul was not trying to be a fornicator. He was not trying to be a lazy man. He was not trying to be an adulterer or an idolater. He was trying to serve the Lord. He was in the will of God. He was doing that that was right. And yet it did not always turn out every day Friday. It did not always turn out every day a bed of roses. It did not always turn out every day abundance. It did not always turn out everything went his way. And I know there's men who would tell you that if you'll serve God, you'll never have a bad day. I know there's men who would tell you if you'll serve God, you'll never be financially unstable. And I'm not going to lie and tell you any of that. If you serve God, it may cost you. If you serve God, you'll have some bad days. If you serve God based on the Word of God, you'll do some suffering. But it is all those things that God wants to bring into your life to teach you. I can trust Jesus. It is all those things that God, and isn't it amazing this morning? When everything's going well, brother, I want you to brag on the Lord. Praise God, I was hoping you'd call on me. Woo! I mean, that's how we feel. I was hoping he'd call on me. God's been so good, bless me beyond my wildest dreams. I've got more money than I've ever had. I've got better health than I've ever had, better wealth than I've ever had. I even look better than I've ever looked. And everything's just going great. Let me brag on the Lord. And then, trouble. And you know what we do? Well, I've served the Lord and I just fell apart. When I was preaching and went broke, I was teaching Sunday school and had some family trouble. I was going to the nursing home on Sundays and can't even hardly afford to put gas in my car to get down there. Put my kids in the Christian school and lost all of our friends. That must have been a bad decision. <laughs> Oh, I hope y'all are hearing me. Maybe I missed it. 
Maybe, maybe I should have just kept on doing what I was doing. Maybe I shouldn't have changed anything. I'm trying to serve God and it looks like I'm suffering. I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like God is trying to teach me and you to be content with Him. I tell you this morning that contentment is not based on your possessions. It is a mindset. You didn't get it from what you have or what you don't have. You got it from what God has taught you. And the only way for God to teach you is you're going to have to walk through some discontented days. Lord, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And God, while I'm here, you know how bad I want that new car. And I've never wanted anything so bad in my life. And if you just give me that new car, Lord, I'll bless you and I'll praise you. And God, I'm here coming. Am I talking to anybody? I'm here coming before you. I know I'm undeserving, but I need that new car. I want that new car. I can eat and I I can taste that new car. I can smell. Smell, I want that new car. And God, if you just give it to me, I'll bless you. He's liable to. You probably won't bless him like you said you would anyhow. But he's liable not to. Well, I've served God all this time and all I wanted was that one thing. Oh, you're about to walk down some lessons of learning. Oh, I've learned, and I've had to learn, and I'm learning. Huh? Lord, I need this promotion at work. Lord, it's been offered, and God, I want it so bad, and I'm asking you, and I'm begging of you, if you've ever heard my prayer, would you hear my prayer right now, and and answer it, and, and do this one thing for me? God, don't do that. And you say, well, I've served the Lord. I've gone to church. I've, I've, I've done all of this stuff. Because God didn't do what you thought he ought to do. Murmuring, complaining, griping, frustration, discontentment. You know what you're about to go through? Education. <laughs> You know what, and I don't like preaching this to you because I don't like going through education. But you know what we're about to go through? It's a little thing called learning. And you and I obviously aren't smart enough to learn from somebody else. And we've got to walk through it on our own. And God the Holy Ghost knows it. And He's going to put situations in your life that will cause you to learn to lean on Him. Hallelujah. He's going to put situations in your life that will teach you, educate you, learn you in the areas of contentment that you could not learn any other way. I notice the education of Contentment, I notice Paul's admission. Whether you see that or not, it's there. He admits this is not even, for me, natural. Makes me feel better. Makes me feel better because I get discontent. I have given in love offerings before. To me, hefty amounts. Maybe not to you, but to me. 
And no more sooner did I get it out of my hand. Seemed like somebody come along and said, God, put it on my heart to do something for you. Oh, I love miracles like that. That's a miracle. And if you've ever given, you've probably experienced something like that. Sacrificially given and by faith. And I've been in meetings and I've seen needs and I have, I have, I have uh, given to people and, and it seemed like within the same meeting, Somebody come up to me and say, God, put it on my heart to bless you and to be kind to you. And it would be the same amount or more. We were in a meeting uh, last summer. I was preaching and they brought up a young man and he was going to Bible college. And, and, and I had some cash in my truck and, and, and I, I, I went out and I got it. And it was like 600 and something dollars. I carried it with me to the, to the meeting. And part of it was a love offering that I had gotten. Uh, anyways, I, I went out there and I got it and I was just trying to sort out maybe a hundred or two and I felt the nudge of the Holy Ghost to give it all and so I just grabbed it all and put it in his hand and said, the Lord wanted me to give you this. The next week I got home and somebody called me and said, I, 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 I want you to come by and see me. I went by and saw them and they gave me a check. It was twice the amount of what I'd given. Man, I mean, that's praise the Lord. I mean, that's miracle stuff. But more times than not, maybe I would say more often than not, I have given to the point that it hurt. Oh, are you hearing me? I'm not talking about a little extra change in my pocket that I could live without. I'm not talking about a 20 that I didn't really miss. I'm talking about some stuff that that I was banking on doing something else with and it hurt. It gave. And I can't take you to a time where God, I can take you to times in my life, I'm here this morning and God's blessed me and God's blessed me beyond measure, but I can't take you to a time where I receive that amount back or double that amount or triple, whatever it might be. And then you walk away saying, Lord, I gave all and I'm broke. We can't go out to eat this week and we're going to be late on our power bill. And then you get begun, begin to grumble. And complain. Oh, are y'all hearing me? I think you are. I remember years ago, I think I, think I, I got uh, whatever my salary, I think it was $500 a week, and that was it. There was no other allowance or anything like that. I think I was getting paid $500 a week across the board. That was the total amount. And, and we were living on that. I, I remember Brother J.E. Glass came through here. Brother Glass had, had preached to my grandfather and he had gone when my grandfather got out of church our grandfather got out of church uh, brother Jay Glass had gone to his house and said to him he said if you don't get back in church you're going to lose your whole family and it convicted him and he got back in church and God ended up calling him, God made him a deacon over time and ended up calling him to preach and he pastored the last 30 years of, of my life uh, or my whole life until he passed and, 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 and because that man had gone over there and had preached to him and loved him and befriended him and, and, and I sitting there in my seat I, uh, Brother Glass was here and it, the Lord man I felt a tug he said I want you to you owe that man your life I want you to give him your entire week's pay and so the treasurer at that time I told him I said I want you to write my check to him and there wasn't no abundance at Crossroads to where they could come along later and say, well, we're going to write you one too. I mean, that was it. 
we left, and I thought, praise the Lord, God's going to help us. And I can't lie to you and say that he hasn't because he has and he's helped us through the years. But I can't tell you, I can't tell you that that next week wasn't a struggle. I can't tell you that that next week wasn't some suffering. And there wasn't a whole lot because I can't compare finances to what suffering people actually go through. But it was, Lord, where are you? Lord, why did we do right and we're paying for it? Why did we do right and it's costing us? I'm sorry. Why did you think that doing right would never cost you anything? Why are you and I only willing to do right if we think it's a bed of roses, a life of ease, and it'll never cost us? What if doing right does cost you? What if doing right costs you plenty? What if going to the mission field means that you're not home when your father or your mother passes? And that's hard. I mean, we're four hours from our family and and all of us trying to figure out, do we need to go up there and when do we need to go? I wish we could be there to help our father. But I gave my life to the Lord, and it's cost me. Did you think it wouldn't? Do you think God's unfair that the right thing costs something? Are y'all hearing me this morning? The education of contentment. If you're going to be really genuinely content, you'll never get that on your own. You'll not get it by birth and you'll not get it by a new birth. Getting saved don't make you content. Being educated in life by experiences that would otherwise discontent you. But you come to the point where you say, God, I see your hand in this. And I know you put me here. And I know I'm where you want me to be. And I don't want it to fall apart. I don't want it to not go right. I don't want it to be hard. I don't want it to be difficult. But if it's your will, if you're involved in this, then I'm not going to oppose it. I'm not going to grumble. I'm not going to fight. I just tell you what I'll do. I'll bless your name. You didn't get that on your own. Life had to teach you. Christ had to teach you. But aren't you glad? I've been around some folks and it seemed like they ought to complain. It seemed like they ought to fuss and they ought to grumble and they ought to gripe. And all you ever find them doing is praying and blessing God. Do you know why? It's because they've been at the school. They've been at the college of lessons learned in contentment and the truth is is most of the time people who have no business complaining are the ones who do the most of it and the people who you would think should complain but they've learned this is where God's got me and I'm going to bless him The education of contentment. Are y'all still good? I think I'm preaching to us this morning. And then I would have you to see this morning, secondly, not only the education of contentment, but I want you to notice the envelopment of contentment. What what all is held within that, the realm, the, the envelopment of contentment. 
Notice what he says. I've learned that whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Whatsoever state I am. And he illustrates that with, 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 with two illustrations. Verse 12, he says, first of all, I know how to be abased. I know how. I'm going to make a little announcement to you this morning. You don't know how to be abased until you learn how to be abased. And you don't learn how to be abased until you've been abased. And what abasement means is humbling, bringing down. The word abase means to bring down. It is what John talked about as the height of his ministry. Thousands were coming to hear John the Baptist preach. And they wanted John the Baptist to baptize them. And John the Baptist's name was spread all over Israel and all over Judea and all over the, uh, the, that part of the world. And everywhere you went, people, have you heard about John the Baptist? Have you seen John the Baptist? There's no one like him. He is a preacher of preachers. He's a man of, man, of men. He is a giant in the faith. He's got miracle work and power. John the Baptist, go hear him. And thousands would drove to hear John the Baptist until the day that one greater than John showed up. The Lord Jesus showed up and when the Lord Jesus showed up uh, Jesus began to draw John's crowd and they quit following John. They quit talking about John and by the time you find the end of John he's in a prison wondering is this even the Christ or should we look for another? He makes this statement I must decrease and he must increase. And what John was learning is what Paul learned. It is what you and I have to learn. I must learn to be content when I am abased. When I am brought low. Most folks don't have to learn to abound. We'll look at that. There is some learning in that. But what about... When somebody gets your place that you thought was yours. What about when somebody gets priority over you that you think is less than you? How come you think you're so great that people are less than you? It says a lot about who you are. What about when someone gets your promotion, your position, your place, your prize, your praise? and You've been abased. You've been brought low. And someone else has been raised up in your place. What, 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 what about when circumstances bring you low? What about when you're humbled? The Bible said humble yourself. And if you don't, God can and will. And the opposite of humility is pride and you can't be in the middle of the road. You're either proud or humble. I'm talking to all of us. There's no other option. There's no gray area. There's no middle ground. There's no middle of the road. Are you hearing me this morning? You're either proud or you're humble. And if you don't humble yourself, God knows how to abase you. He knows how to humble you. And it is in that that God is teaching you to be content in the envelopment of contentment. In that area that no one wants to be 
and abasement. When you're honored, it's easy to be content. But when you're humbled, it's difficult. When reproach for your convictions and shame for your Christian decisions come along. Yet God is wanting to teach us to be content in the low times. If you can serve God when you don't have money, you can serve Him when you do. We hear people all the time say, well, if I had money, I'd give it. If I won the lottery, I'd give money to the church. I, I tell you how I know if that's true or not. Not that I'm endorsing you playing the lottery because you're wasting your money and you ought to just give it to the Lord if you're going to do. I'd rather invest my money in something worth investing in than waste my money in something I'm never going to get a return from. But we hear that all the time. If I did this, and if I had money, and the truth of the matter is, is none of that's true because when you have money, you don't. If you don't win, you have little money. You won't win, you have a lot. He said, I've learned to be abased. And in the next verse, he says, I've learned to hunger. There is no virtue in hungering. It is not that hungering is a good thing and makes you Christian. There's no virtue in poverty of itself. It is not that being poor makes you a great Christian. So if it were, then you could go to the, to the trailer park, you could go to the ghetto, and you could find the greatest Christians in the world. You could go to a third world country, and you could find the greatest Christians in the world. But that's not what you'll find. You may find some there, but that's not what you'll find because poverty don't make you spiritual. Poorness don't make you spiritual. Low degree don't make you spiritual. It is not in poverty or hunger where you find it but it is in contentment in the will of God if that is what the will of God is he said I know how to be abased but then I want you to notice and I'm hurrying we're not coming back tonight so I think y'all can give me a little bit more time he said I know how to abound Talking about the envelopment of contentment. To be content when you have nothing. And to be content when you have everything. He said, I know how to be a base and I know how to bounce. You know what that lets me believe that Paul had experienced both. There were times in his life, and I'm talking about since he's been saved, there were times in the ministry where it seemed like he had nothing and he didn't. And then there were times where the blessings of God just flowed miraculously from everywhere and every angle. And it seemed like everywhere he turned miracle after miracle and blessing after blessing. And there was abundance and it was raining blessings of God. Oh, I love those times. I love those times at the church. I love those times in my bank account. I love those times with my family. And thank God for them. But that's not always the case. But when it is, he said, I've learned to be content when I am in abundance. I want you to hear me this morning. I do not want you to miss this. Just as well as you have to learn to be content when you have nothing. You'll have to learn how to be content when you have everything. There's a lot of us, one man I read behind said, when we find ourselves in the pit like Joseph, we'll look up, 
to the starry skies with all the promises of God and say, I'm going to trust the Lord when you're in the pit. But when you're in the palace, forget who God is and what God's done and you want more and more and more and more. If I could just have a million, and yet God gives it to you and you want to. It was what Ahab did, the king of Israel is what Ahab did to Naboth. He came, First Kings 21, he came to Naboth's vineyard and Ahab had the whole kingdom and he said, but I want Naboth's vineyard. Don't lose me, please. I want Naboth's vineyard, but you've got everything, Ahab. No, there's one thing I don't have and I want what he's got. You know what? Ahab had not learned to be content in abundance. And most people who's got abundance are not content with it. They want more. One man said this, times when a man has a meager wallet, he's got a rich heart. But you get that same man a rich wallet and he'll have a meager heart. When life was at the bottom, when life was in the pits, when life was falling apart, you did your fair share of complaining. But somewhere in your heart you knew, I can trust Jesus, but now it's all the way you want it. Now you've got it all. You'll have to learn to be content in abundance. David had the whole kingdom, and yet he looked out there one day and he saw Uriah's wife. And he had to have her too. Why couldn't David be content with what he had? He hadn't learned to be content in his abundance. They said of Alexander the Great, they said he had conquered the whole world. That king of Macedonia, he was a Greek king of Macedonia, and they said he had conquered the whole world in like A.D. 325 or maybe somewhere around there. Conquered the whole known world. And he made this statement. Oh, that there were more worlds to conquer. This is not enough. Am I talking to anybody this morning? And you want one more this and one more of this and one more of this and one more of this and if I can just have this then I'll serve the Lord. If I can just have this and there's always something else and Paul said I have learned and I had to learn and I had to be educated that when I am abased to be content and when I am in abundance to be content contentment is is in the mind not in the possessions. I'll give you this illustration and give you my last thought and I'll be done. We were in Albania. We were flying out on this last trip. Brother Dana and Miss Esther were with us and me and Brother Dana were talking while we were waiting on our plane to show up. And uh, he was talking to us about, was it Ireland that they went to or Scotland? Ireland. He was telling us about their trip to Ireland several years ago and he was telling us how we ought to go. And uh, he said, one thing I found in Ireland, he said, there were castles everywhere. He said, it amazed me. I mean, everywhere you looked, there was land and a castle. And that castle would have a moat, and it would have a wall, and it would have a tower, and it would have everything that a castle would want. He said, and I asked finally, why are all these castles? Surely there couldn't be this many kings. And he said, I was surprised at the answer I got. He said, because there was that many kings. Everybody wanted to be king. 
And so if he had, man had money, he had means, he had the ability, he had a family, he wanted to be a king, he'd build him a castle. And he'd make him an army. And he'd make a moat around his castle and he'd put a, uh, he'd put a tower up at his castle and he'd put a room at the top of that tower where no one could get to and he'd declare himself to be king and he'd send his army out to fight his battles uh, and to take over the land. He said, and everybody wanted to be king, so everybody had a castle and everybody had a tower. And he said, all they ever did was make their own prison and they had to live in that tower. They couldn't come out of that tower or they'd get killed by the next guy across the street wanting to be king. And all them men who wanted to be king so bad had to live in that tower, in that palace, at the very tip top, in the, in the, in the, in the prison that they had made for themselves because they were not content just to live in the beautiful land. They were not content just to enjoy their freedom. But they could not have it unless it was all that they wanted and all that they wanted was to be the king of the land. And they built themselves castles which turned into their prison. And he said, that's what preachers do and Christians do. We live our life suspect of everybody. We live our life thinking everybody's trying to dethrone us. We live our lives thinking everybody's trying to get ahead of us. Everybody's trying to get our job. Everybody's trying to get our position. Are y'all hearing me this morning? And Paul said, if you're trying to be king, you might be one. You'll have to live in that tower a prisoner you're trying to rule the world run the world run your church run everything run your life run your family in your own will in your own power you might get what you want but I have learned to be content when I am abased and in abundance and if God never gives you any money because God's wanting to teach you some things and if God gives you all kinds of money don't you quit being content. Be content with the family God gave you. Be content with the school God gave you. And it may not offer everything that others do, but they probably don't offer everything that yours does. Be content with the church God gave you. If God wanted you to have a different church, He'd have put a different church in your town. He gave you a church that is His church that is molded to your needs. Be content. And when you're abased and have nothing, Trust the Lord. And when you're in abundance and have everything, don't forget where it came from. Trust the Lord. Well, there's so much more I'd like to say, but I'll... Let me close with this. The education of contentment, the envelopment of contentment. Here's the last thing. I won't preach it to you. I think it preaches itself. The empowerment of contentment. Verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The reason why I can be abased and be in abundance, the reason why I can be content in whatsoever state I am, Paul says, is because of Christ. 
I need to say this. You come on the piano. It makes folks feel so much better. What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't remember. Probably ought not waste any more time looking for words. <laughs> I said it a minute ago, it is, it is not the abasement or the abundance, the hunger, the fullness. That's not where we place our contentment. It is in that that we are content. But it is because of who Christ is in that. If you're hungry because you're lazy, there is no contentment in that because there is no purpose in that. If your family's falling apart because you don't want to get right with God, you can't be content in that because there's no purpose in that. There's no point of that. Well, I'm just content how things are going to go. No. You're operating contrary to the Word of God. You can't be content and make a victim out of yourself when things have not gone the way you want them to because you were not willing to change anything. What Paul is doing is saying, I am in the will of God to the best of my ability. I'm serving God to the best of my ability. I'm honoring God with what I have to the best of my ability. And I find myself in abundance. And I need to be content with the abundance God gave me. And I find myself in abasement. And I need to be content with the humility that God's trying to teach me. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can be content because the purpose is good. I wrote down three questions. Number one, would I be in this state if I were not serving Christ? You can be content if you can answer that question. Would I be where I am right now in this condition if I were not serving Christ? And if it is the purpose is because I'm serving Christ, I've found myself here, then you can find yourself content. It's out of my control, and I wouldn't be in this situation if I were not serving Christ. And so I'm going to be content. Would I be in this condition or this state if Christ were not working something in my life? Romans 8, 28. We know all things work together for good. Them that love the Lord are them that are called according to His purpose. Maybe it is not because I'm serving Christ that I'm in this situation, but it is that while I'm in this situation, I recognize that Christ is serving a purpose in my life. Therefore, I'll be content to let God do His work. Is the purpose good? And is the person good? And when I say the person, I'm not talking about you or me. I'm talking about the person of Christ. I've learned whatsoever state I am. And he's had to learn it. Therewith to be content. I can do all things. I can endure it. I can
making me content through Christ which strengtheneth me. Lord, you give us a word. You know who needed to hear it. You know who will need to hear it. So Lord, I pray you'd help us. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning.